This is Bucks First Thoughts, the news you need to get through your day in 45 minutes. Make sure you subscribe on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's getting messy out there. Not a surprise. Predicted, in fact, by so many of us. We all knew that the Biden administration was going to run into trouble quickly because Biden is a clown and the Democrats are far left and they've lost their minds. So there's that. But, you know, we have Memorial Day coming up. It's a time when a lot of you be thinking about your uh, patriotism and the sacrifices of those who have given their lives for this country. And it's a particular time of year to show patriotism and love of country with a flag. I know I'm going to have not just an American flag hanging in my apartment, but also I'm going to be having an American flag out my window. And that's why I want you to know about Allegiance Flag Supply. Allegiance Flag Supply is the place that you should be getting your American flags from. They're all made here in the USA. In fact, the seamstresses who make flags, a lot of those jobs were getting sent overseas. All of the jobs behind the flags that you can buy from Allegiance are here in the USA. And this was a small business just started by a few friends who realized that a lot of the flags that were flying were getting tangled and mildewed, mildewed, torn and shredded after just a few months being up. Well, that's why, you know, I have a better flag, a better flag that will last longer and not get all tangled from Allegiance flag. I've got mine already hanging and it looks amazing. And it's a good way to show your patriotism going into the holiday weekend, going into every day. Go right now to showallegiance.com and you can use promo code buck for 10% off your order. That's showallegiance, A-L-L-E-G-I-A-N-C-E, showallegiance.com. Make sure you use promo code buck to get 10% off your order at showallegiance.com. You know, they're actually allowing the Biden White House. The journos are letting Biden's people vet and edit and change their quotes that gave out today. And they're trying to say, oh, this has been the policy with previous administrations. Yeah. Do you think that the journos gave a crap what the Trump White House wanted changed or edited in quotes? Are we really all going to act like we're so dumb we can't see what's going on right in front of our faces? I don't think so, friends. We know what's happening here. We got bumbling, stumbling Mr. Magoo Biden kind of in charge of the country, not really in charge of the country. We all know that he just takes orders from the puppeteers around him. And all it takes is a phone call from Barack Obama to get whatever radical left policy or decision that the apparatus of the Democrat Party wants. All he has to do is call Biden. Probably doesn't even have to call Biden. Just sends a text message to one of the people that's making sure Biden has a nice cardigan sweater over his shoulders and a, and a sippy cup for when the cameras aren't around, right? That's all, that's all that's required. Tell the people who are Biden's handlers what he's got to say, what he's got to sign. Nobody really thinks this guy has any convictions. No one thinks Biden has principles. Biden doesn't think he has principles. He certainly doesn't have any leadership skills. This guy is the consummate slimy politician He's been that for longer than I've been alive. We all know it. And now we are seeing the consequences. This is not just in rhetorical terms. Now, we are seeing what is happening as a result of Biden policies and decision making. And, and this is 
a shame, but it looks like we're going to have to suffer the consequences as a country. That's the only way more people will realize how stupid all of this is. Oh, you're also seeing you're also seeing an inflation. They were saying, oh, there's there's no inflation. OK, well, in April, consumer prices jumped up four point two percent, the most since 2008. Uh that's a lot that hurts in an economy where we should be seeing an explosion of growth and hiring and prosperity and optimism. What are we seeing? A stall? A stall right now and rising inflation? Remember, with that comes higher prices for everything. And the dollars that you've worked so hard to save and put in your bank account, they're worth less. Right now, with, the, with interest rates where they are, if you are saving money and you're doing everything the way you're supposed to, you're, you're, you're working hard, you're playing the game in this economy the way that everyone tells you you're supposed to, at the end of the year, if you just put your money in a savings account, your money is worth less, and it's going down every year. At this current rate, it's going down every year. And that's substantial. I mean, if it's going down 4%, even if you had your money in the stock market, Let's say you get an average return of, you know, six or seven percent a year, which is pretty good, by the way. But if you're getting that cut in half and plus you have a, a down year here or there, losing money, people losing faith in the system, there's going to be inflation. But, you know, you can you can listen to me or you can listen to the deeply unimpressive halfwit who is the White House press secretary, Jen Sakibam. And she's telling you, you know, drawing upon her Ph.D. in economics from Cambridge, which, of course, she does not have. Uh, not that that would change my opinion of what she says anyway, that don't worry, any inflation, it'll just be a it'll be a quick, a little tiny bit of inflation. Play 11. Inflation numbers out tomorrow, and I'm wondering if the gas price surge and the continuous commodity surge, like lumber, is changing the administration's outlook at all on inflation. Well, let me first say that, of course, the Federal Reserve, I would point you to them to speak to or provide analysis or speculation on anything uh, as it relates to inflation or the impact of uh, certain external actions. I will say, as we've said in here before, but we'll reiterate that, of course, we take uh, the possibility of inflation quite seriously uh, as you know, actions that have been taken to date or proposals that have been made. Uh, most economic analysts have believed that it will have a temporary or transitory impact. Oh, oh, yeah. Most analysts, most economists. I, I love how Democrats think they can cite this as if, you know, done deal. What, what does that even mean? Most economists. H how transitory is it? Oh, you know, all inflation is transitory unless you have a total collapse of your currency. And you could even argue that's transitory because when your currency goes belly up, it ends. So there's no more inflation. It's just maddening to watch the way the media is defending everything about this Biden administration. There are multiple intersecting and expanding crises going on right now in America. Things that affect you. That's what I care the most about here on the show. What affects you and me? And when you're talking about rising inflation, a a spiking murder rate, not just from last year into this year, but this year compared to last year, which was already way up. So you've got more violence in America. 
You've got inflation rising. You've got people not going to work because they're making more money staying home. You've got, you know, enemies, the wolves circling, so to speak, all over the world. Obviously, you know, Russian cyber hacker group here, not scared of us with what they've done on Colonial's pipeline. Hamas recognizing you think Hamas would have gotten uh, this frisky with Trump in office. I don't think so. Things change. Things change rapidly. The bad guys know the truth of leadership in America right now. They know the difference. And, you know, well, you've got terrorists that are willing to uh, mess around and find out now, you know, they mess around, see what they can get away with. You have all of this happening, the border crisis, the worst numbers in at least 20 years, really the worst numbers ever for illegal crossings. And what is the media focusing on? Oh, the, the Liz Cheney leadership fight. Oh, the Liz Cheney leadership fight. Really? I mean, yeah, it's a news story. It's a second hour of the radio show, maybe, uh, you know, fourth page of the newspaper news story. But, you know, sure enough, that's what you can expect to see. That's the kind of focus. What do you see on CNN right now? Top of the top of the page. Biggest story on CNN. G.O.P. Aus Cheney. That's right. What do they need to feed their audience? A steady diet of Republicans are at each other's throats. Sure. Yeah, that's what's really important right now. No one's even going to remember the Cheney fight. I mean, it's interesting to me as somebody who cares about the GOP's future, the direction of the party. But it's that's because I get I'm, I'm the, the way I am about politics is the way producer Mark is about hockey. Right. I get deep into it. I'm a nerd about it. It's my job. So for, for normal people, the Cheney fight, I mean, whatever, who cares? We'll talk about it a little later. But notice that, that the media, there, there's no narrative of crisis right now. And all you've got, you have you have gas lines for heaven's sakes. You've got 30 percent of gas stations in some states without gas for people. That's really anxiety producing, folks, as you all know. That hurts your ability to go to work. That that shuts down business deliveries. That that is a nightmare for folks. And the Biden administration's, you know, kind of blasé about the whole thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's a private sector. Colonial's private sector. You know, they'll figure it out. I don't know. Who needs gas? You got a bicycle? Maybe you ride that. You know, do your deliveries. You know, you could do like an old milk truck and you sort of push it, you know. Just buffoonery. Nincompoopery on a massive scale from Biden and his team. And this is entirely unsurprising because these are unserious people. They're serious about their statism, their socialism, their authoritarianism. Don't get me wrong, but their ideas, their ideas are those of unserious human beings who do not have knowledge, wisdom and self-reflection worthy of any power. That's the truth of Biden and the people around him. They should be in charge of nothing. But because the left has seized the commanding heights of major institutions all across the country over a series of decades, because the socialists have infiltrated the Democrat Party, and now the socialists are increasingly showing us that they're actually communists. Yeah, I know. Guess what? They're able to win the battle of propaganda, to win the perception fight enough to just eke out the power to do stupid things like we're seeing all over the country. 
and we suffer as a result. But does it even matter as far as the Democrats are concerned? If they can convince people that this is just happening, that or it's not happening at all, right? It's either a situation that's beyond Biden's control or what situation? The way they're trying to cover for Joe Biden right now is exactly as we anticipated. It's exactly what we thought. And thank God that there is conservative media out there. Not just me. There are many voices right now. But I think, you know, this radio show is the best radio show, obviously. Podcast is the best podcast. Uh, But I'm thankful for the others on my team, so to speak, generally, you know, out there on conservative media who are holding up the mirror to this administration and seeing what an ugly mess it is. Thank you. Two topics on real quick. Is the White House rethinking their opposition to new pipeline projects since one really important one goes offline and gas stations start running dry? I wouldn't say we look at it as it, through that prism, Peter. We look at it, we analyze uh, both the impact, the economic impact, as well as the environmental impact. And that will certainly remain the case. But we look at different each pipeline project uh, individually. Unserious people. Unserious people. That's what these Democrats are. Their ideas are unserious. Uh, their their response to why why do you have an almost religious zeal against pipelines? What, what is it that makes you think that? Well, it's because they're they're climate change catastrophists, and they've been brainwashed with this absurdity of the Green New Deal, and they just think oil is bad. Natural gas is bad. People who live in the real world say, thank God for oil and natural gas, because without it, the modern world comes to a screeching halt. There aren't enough windmills, libs. Get a grip. But this is it's a religious movement for them. It's a crusade or a jihad for green energy. And that's what's going on right now. That's what we're seeing. I, I have to note the fact that Jennifer Granholm is the uh, energy secretary is really all you have to know. This is a woman who on the Bill Maher show looked into my face when I was actually trying to have a, a real exchange. And Bill, to his credit, was listening because I said it's going to look bad for it's, it's bad for these Democrats when they're saying give illegals free health care. People don't like we're talking about that. And she starts yelling, kids in cages, kids in cages, like a toddler demanding candy. I mean, just just repeating some mantra in my face like a total clown. She's the energy secretary. now. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. These are the people who are in charge. It's it's unreal. I mean. Look, I, I thought there were some misses in the Trump administration with personnel and there were some very bad choices that were made, uh, but they were choices that were made out of a sense of, of Trump's loyalty and, and his relationships with individuals. But they weren't radicals. They just weren't part of the MAGA agenda. I mean, they were just self-defeating for Trump, but they weren't they weren't people that thought they were going to transform the country in some idealized utopian vision. That's what you've got now. The faculty lounge of Oberlin College is running the government, friends. And that's why you have gas lines. And that's why you have inflation rising. And that's why you have murders spiking all over the place. Where is Biden doing a good job? The one thing they point to is on vaccines, to which I say the vaccine was already developed, thanks to Operation Warp Speed and Trump, and already in distribution. And what are they? They're better 
at distributing it? Based on what? Yeah, more time means more people have gotten the vaccine. But okay, so they get shots in arms. This was all through the. This is all through private sector pharmaceutical companies developing the technology. Oh wait, but I I have to go back for a second to uh, Granholm because I I mentioned how deeply unserious she is and play clip three. Obviously, we have the acute issues with the Colonial Pipeline ransomware attack, but looking more holistically in a macro view, how does this speed up the efforts at DOE to move in more of a renewable direction since this is going to have an impact on people at the pump? Yeah, I mean, we obviously are all in on making sure that we meet the president's goals of getting to 100 percent clean electricity by 2035 and uh, net zero carbon emissions by 2050. And, um, you know, if you drive an electric car, this would not be affecting you, clearly. Um, But it's just it's another it's I I don't want to this company um, is acting in a responsible way. Uh, they took their pipeline down so that the ransomware would not spread. And so up to this point, they have, they're carefully reviewing so that they're doing this in a responsible way. Uh, the broader issue is a very important issue. It's an issue for the president's uh, priority in the American Jobs Plan, the issue of investing in a transmission grid, for example, so that you don't have the cyber issues associated with it. So there's a lot of broader questions in this. Um, and we hope that we'll be able to see that investment in infrastructure that will facilitate clean and renewable energy. Just a bunch of babbling from somebody who's just honestly not very bright, but has been in government for many years in different capacities. Notice that she says in a kind of smug fashion that if you drove an electric car, this pipeline issue wouldn't affect you. And that's why, haha, we should move to all renewable energy and, you know, by 2050 or by 20, you know, 2080 and, you know, 2225. I mean, they're just, it's all nonsense. The whole thing. Oh, yeah, we're going to get to zero. Please. I've been saying this for 30 years already. Uh, where does she think the electricity for electric cars comes from? I mean, she's the energy secretary. I wonder. If she knows, I I would love it, you know, if we actually had a real press corps, which we don't, other than a few people at Fox News who get into the West Wing. If we had a real press corps, somebody would probably ask the question, uh, excuse me, Energy Secretary. So electric cars, they'd all be fine, except you're saying, oh, ha ha, electric cars, that's great. We don't need fossil fuels. They're not being powered by uh, electric cars are not getting all their their electricity from wind turbines. Where are they getting it from? A lot of it from coal, actually. But you see, they they learn this is the the trouble with Democrats. They learn the wrong lessons. A pipeline goes down, causes catastrophe. And instead of the rational response to this, which would be, wow, we need redundant pipelines and we need more fossil fuel access while we're still so reliant on this, which we're going to be for at least decades more. They say, well, yeah, this will really push people into, you know, into the green energy movement. It's really going to be really going to be great. I, Democrats in this Biden administration, the people that are making the policy decisions, it's like a child who puts his hand on a hot stove and burns himself. In this case, the burns are the murder rate, inflation, stall that economy, hiring off by 700,000 last month, gas lines in the southeast, burns his hand and goes, oh, maybe if I put both hands on the hot stove, then it won't hurt. 
they take the wrong lessons from our pain as a country. That's the problem. This is something that's a very serious attack on critical infrastructure in our country. This pipeline actually doesn't touch Florida, but it does feed into many of our gas stations. Uh, so we've declared a state of emergency. We're lifting restrictions to be able to get more fuel into pumps. But the Biden administration needs to take this seriously. Their initial response is, oh, this is a private pipeline and just shrug your shoulders. This is important infrastructure for our country, and it could impact our economy greatly if they don't respond. Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida, again, taking action, showing how it's done. One day I'm going to come on the show. I, I, I'm telling you, one day I just want you to be prepared. I'm going to say, oh, I disagree with Ron DeSantis. It's going to happen. But right now it feels like it might be a few years off. Every time this guy does something, every time this guy takes a decision and, and we hear about it on the, on the national stage, you go, yeah, that makes sense. And I want to tell you, this is why I think the Democrats hate him so much. Yes, he's clearly a threat to old man, you know, Magoo, Mr. Magoo, Joe Biden in 2024. Although at that point, let's be honest, we all think it's probably going to be President Harris and Joe Biden will have stepped down. That's and, and the Democrats will say until that happens, they'll say, oh, it's a conspiracy theory. That's never going to. And then what happens? They'll go, yeah, what are you going to do about it? We shut you up while we wanted to. This is so critical. I just I just had uh, dinner with a very, very MAGA friend of mine last night here in New York. We were talking about this, and I said to him, one of the most important lessons, if there's one thing that conservatives today need to understand, need to know, and this is true about every fight, every political fight, every cultural fight, we come from this mentality of, hey, there are rules, there are principles, there's, there's basic, fundamental decency and honesty and we have this initial desire not only to express anger, outrage when the left violates those, but we think if we tell them they're violating them. We think if we say, hey, libs, you're being hypocrites or hey, libs, you're gaslighting. You're pretending you don't know what we're saying is true just to agitate us that they that there's some possibility that they'll turn around and say, you know what, you're right. That's that's too far. We we should establish some common ground on that. We should play by the same rules. Eh, that's not how it goes. You know what the left's feeling on all that is? You, when, when you say the left is being hypocritical, what they're saying amongst themselves and what they're basically telling you to your face now as a conservative is, yeah, and what are you going to do about it? This is the raw exercise of power and the abandonment of principle in pursuit of it. That's the political reality of dealing with the Democrat left. This is why they keep advancing and we retreat so often that merely holding our ground, which we were able to do somewhat under the four years of Trump, feels like a victory, but it's actually just holding our ground. As the onslaught of the authoritarian left just continues to seize the commanding heights of our culture, our economy and our political system, they keep on going. And we say, but but we, come on, that's not fair. We're complaining about the refs being paid off and the other team is laughing, saying, yeah, we paid off the refs. What are you going to do about it? And that's the question that we have to answer now. 
The Liz Cheney answer is, well, maybe if we write a letter and we're really upset and we express how our shared American goals and values will bring us together as we're blobbity blobbity. Yeah, you can take that approach if you want and just keep getting dunked on by libs all the time. Just keep getting dunked on or you can understand how they're playing the game and maybe dunk back. They hate DeSantis, though. To bring me back to that that point here, they hate DeSantis because he is showing that you can govern effectively with good results while respecting individual rights and the Constitution and the rule of law, and that you don't have to always justify your actions with their good intentions, right? You don't have to justify your actions with good intentions. You can actually justify them with good outcomes. They hate this because what they always say is Republicans don't. Republicans are the party of no. They don't want to do anything. We, the Democrats, are, are here to, you know, to, to feed and clothe and house and make you feel like you have purpose. That's what the Democrat Party does, right? They're there to be your best friend, your protector, which anyone who knows anything about the government understands. Government doesn't give a crap about you. It just doesn't. It's not there to keep you safe and warm at night. That's what the Buck Sexton show is for. The government does not care about you. And DeSantis shows that, yeah, he's not pretending to be everybody's friend. He's creating a framework for American freedom, success and prosperity. And that's the role of government. It's not to pretend to be everything for you all the time and therefore be able to control all aspects of your life at all times. So he, in a sense, is showing us just what of what an unnecessary intrusion into our lives the Democrat approach to governance is, and they despise him for it. And we have run one of the most remarkable experiments of state governance in, I mean, it's certainly in modern history in this country, certainly the post-World War II era, where you have people like Gavin Newsom, People like DeSantis. You have Governor Cuomo. You have Governor Abbott. Who gets like Abbott gets like a B minus. But anyway, you know, you've got people that showed that they could actually lead and it wasn't about them and they kept their states open and they kept things going. And you had demagogue leftist authoritarians who trampled on the Constitution who shut down businesses unnecessarily, who destroyed people's livelihoods because they were drunk with power and they wanted the approval of their socialist leftist peers. That's what happened with Gavin Newsom in California. And you compare it to my main man, Ron DeSantis in Florida, and the results speak for themselves. Here he is, play seven. We've had schools in person, as you've said. We had a successful school year. It's coming to a conclusion over the next couple of weeks, uh, and we're proud of that. But just think of all the millions of kids who were locked out of school for over a year in places like California. That is going to have ramifications for our society for years and years. And I can't tell you, Sean, every time I go out, someone will come up to me and say, thank you for keeping us open. You saved my job or you saved my business. And we know if we were in other states like California and New York, 
I know my job would be gone or I know my business would be gone. So we're proud of the success that we've had. Uh, we obviously have more to do going forward, but uh, the damage of those lockdowns are going to reverberate in this country for a long time. Lockdowns failed. We have the data. We tried different approaches in this country. Lockdowns failed. They were the wrong move. And cowardly politicians not only did them, but insisted, even when the data was clear, insisted that they were the only path forward and you better shut up and listen to them and do as you're told. And if you question this, Facebook and Twitter and these social media giants crushed you. Why? Because they're run by leftists. Didn't matter that they were all wrong. Do you think, do you think I get an apology from the, the Facebook fact-checking team for how everything that I said that they came after me for was true? All of it. They were wrong. I was right. Do you think they send me an apology? Do you, think, do you think they say, sorry that we cut you off from your audience arbitrarily at various points? Sorry that we you know, severed your connection with people that counted on you for information because we felt like it and, and covered it up with this, oh, but we have an independent fact-checker, please hire a bunch of leftist, uh, you know, digital brown shirts to go around, shutting down people's ability to speak in the public square. Social media companies should be ashamed, but they're not because they're so powerful. They think they've bought off all the politicians and we have no choice. But it's a long race, friends. It's a long game we're playing here. Ron DeSantis is so important to what's gone on in this country in the last year because he's the only one in a large state with a large population. And just to be very clear, some people get upset. I'm only saying that because we need to make apples to apples comparison. You know, if, if you live in North Dakota, God bless. I, you're smarter than those of us who live in New York City paying crazy high taxes for tiny space and everything else. I'm when I say a big state, I'm not saying it's a more important place or a better place or anything like that. I'm just saying to compare California with its population density and size to North Dakota is going to be dismissed and rightfully so. But Florida is a large and populous state, so it's a fair comparison to New York or New Jersey or California. Texas, the same thing, although Governor Abbott was not great. If it wasn't for DeSantis they would be able to get away with the lie that the lockdowns were necessary. And so I am not only did he do great things for his own state, but I am forever grateful because they're going to they're going to try to do this again. This isn't the last time you think we get a rough flu season. There's going to be localized and state level closures and, oh, everyone needs to double mask and maybe we should all wear respirators. And they're going to go back to this. It's hysteria. The most neurotic among us, those who have not made their peace. And this is a big part of it. Those who have not made their peace with the fact that we are all going to die, you and I are going to die. We are not in control of when that will happen. And the state cannot fully protect us and never will be able to. People that can't, can't process that notion, can't, can't figure out that that's just reality. They believe if they just cling to the state like a child holding on to you know, their parent's leg, not letting go, that everything will be okay. It's not true. It's a mirage. And in clinging, in a sense, to the state, there are all these negative ramifications. There are all these intrusions on liberty, all these constitutional violations that come from that. So yes, I, I understand. I do, not like, I do not like playing the role of political cheerleader for anybody because I come at all 
uh, political analysis with the cyn- with cynicism about the state and government and with an understanding that all human beings are fallible and make mistakes and politicians make more than most. But right now, the governor of Florida, he, he's not just doing a victory dance. He's doing backflips in the end zone after spiking the football, running up into the stands and making out with the opposing team's quarterback's girlfriend. That's what's going on. And so when the president makes the goal of 70 percent of adults receiving at least one vaccine by the 4th of July, we believe that that is an attainable goal. The reason we feel it's important is that I believe that we are about at that critical turning point when we get a certain percentage. We don't know exactly what it is. But clearly, the majority of individuals in the country vaccinated, we will see a sharp turning point and a marked diminution in cases. And so, as I said the last time I testified before you, we are in a race between the vaccine and the virus. If left to its own devices, will continue to surge. Based on experience thus far in this country and globally, I feel confident that if we continue to vaccinate people at the rate that we're doing, that we will very soon have a situation where we will have so few infections in this country, we will begin to return to the normality that all of us desire so much. Why does this guy have to always speak in a 500 or 700 word essay when a couple of sentences would be, in a, you know, we have a diminution, never trust a bureaucrat, who has diminution as a crutch word. Notice how much he says it. When you hear my impersonation of him, why do I know that the diminution of the, you know, yeah. You know, there could be a surge. And when your cases are a diminution, this guy's the worst, the worst. We have been running a Milgram experiment, except this little lab coat tyrant has been telling people not to electrocute each other for the good of the country, but to, not allow each other to breathe freely, to stifle and agitate and annoy the most basic human act that we do, which is breathing. The basis of our lives is actually taking in breath. Without that, more important than water, food, anything else. Without that, we're done. And to put an artificial interruption on that process and all the psychological damage to children, to adults. Every time now somebody wants me to put a mask on, I'll tell you this. I kind of want to throw a punch. I'm just saying. Every time I'm told to do this, I look at them, I'm like, really? I'm immune. Why do I have to do this? Oh, because we're scared about the people who would lie about their immunity. And also, we're just terrified about the one in 50,000 chance that maybe. This is the society we're living in now. The neurotic get to call all the shots. It's not the country I thought I was living in, but it is the one we have been living in. Fauci goes, you know, 70 percent by July will get to the the diminution of the parabola of the, you know, uh, E equals MC squared, and I don't know if you're aware of this, but A squared plus B squared equals C squared. Did I mention I have an MD? Uh, Yeah, this guy can't just say by July 1st, 70% of adults vaccinated in this country. CDC guidance should be in my... He can give his opinion on anything. He does all the time. CDC guidance should be all restrictions gone. That doesn't mean if people want to be psychos and they want to go outside in a gas mask in you know in eighty five degree weather and live their lives that way because they're honestly they Fauciism is a mental illness now and they have been infected with that. Fine, you know. I mean, I don't like that, and I'll tell them not to do it, but I'm not going to tell them they can't do it. Uh, but 
no, Fauci will not give definitive declarations on this. They will not give definitive declarations because then we can hold them to it. And here's a uh, here's a preview. They're going to try to move the goalposts again. You know, do you want to live in a country where the same people? How many of you have had the experience? You go to the doctor. Doctor says, you know, you're a little overweight. I mean, a lot of you are like, fuck, I have a six pack. But, you know, the rest of us. okay, you're a little overweight. You know, cut out butter, cut out red meat, cut out. They tell you to cut out all this stuff. You know, because the 30 seconds that, a, that a, an average uh, physician will spend talking to you about nutrition is, you know, that, that you're lucky if you get 30 seconds with a doctor on nutrition. But they'll say, you know, cut out this, cut out that. Don't drink coffee. Don't drink alcohol. You know, try to avoid sex because there can be diseases from that unless you're trying to make a baby. Uh, and even then there can be diseases. But they'll tell you all these things and you say, OK, I'm just not going to do that. But thanks for the advice, Doc. Fauci is that annoying physician in charge of the entire U.S. economy and basic human freedoms during the pandemic. That's what's happened. Could the stock market have one big move up in the weeks ahead here? Yes. According to Carnivore Trading, who are seeing several key indicators out there, they believe that some of the biggest profits yet in this crazy market are going to come in sectors that Wall Street experts are largely going to miss. You see, Carnivore Trading is an elite squad of strategists who influence major Wall Street investors. And when you subscribe to Carnivore, you'll receive real-time text alerts of explosive trades they're making for their elite clients. You can mirror their trades with your discount broker. That's right, mirror their trades with text messages they send to you, letting you know exactly what they're doing. They routinely crush the S&P 500, and they guarantee you'll earn five times your monthly subscription or double your money back. That's 5x your monthly fee just by mirroring their trades. The market looks to be on the verge of a massive upswing. Get off the sidelines and mirror Carnivore's trades. Right now, you'll get two weeks free. Visit GetOurTrades.com and use promo code BUCK. That's GetOurTrades.com, promo code BUCK. See website for guaranteed terms and conditions. Past performance, not a guarantee of future earnings. Our duty is clear. Every one of us who has sworn the oath must act to prevent the unraveling of our democracy. This is not about policy. This is not about partisanship. This is about our duty as Americans. Remaining silent and ignoring the lie emboldens the liar. I will not participate in that. I will not sit back and watch in silence while others lead our party down a path that abandons the rule of law and joins the former president's crusade to undermine our democracy. Liz Cheney is out, but man, she is still doubling down and digging in on the big lie. Let's get our friend Ryan Gerdusky in the mix here. He's the author of They're Not Listening, a fantastic book and political consultant. Ryan, great to have you. What do you make of Liz's ouster? I mean, listen, she could have avoided this had she just shut up. I mean, McConnell, you know, on January 6th, basically said Trump was the reason there was a riot and blamed him for everything and then moved on. She could have moved on just like McConnell did and she would have survived. It's the fact that she couldn't stop talking about Trump. It's ironic because it's the people who hate him the most that can't seem to get his name out of their mouths. What did she think she was accomplishing with it? I mean, is it just a does she have some kind of family honor at stake here as the Cheneys that 
She, she really needs to bring the GOP back to the good old days when we were invading countries without a, a plan or even good reason. I mean, what, what's the idea here? What do you think she's trying to accomplish? Well, well think, of, think of Liz Cheney and what she talks about in general. Liz falls for every liberal trope known to man. She believed that the uh, Russians were putting bounties on Americans' heads in Afghanistan. Did about a dozen press conferences about that. She believed everything that Fauci said with COVID um nonstop she, anything that the liberal media peddled and pushed as a talking point liz echoed so this is of course one more thing that msnbc is talking about so she's echoing it i think that has more to do with it than anything else but this was absolutely avoidable on the part of liz cheney's behalf i think that there's an incentive um if you're if you're maybe hit your ceiling professionally she can go on have a contract with msnbc have a best-selling book to sell to democrats i mean the, the great irony that george w bush and dick cheney's daughter are going to be celebrated and are currently being celebrated by the left for hating donald trump is truly the biggest irony in the world do you think that the others around her are, are at some point you know people like um who's the uh Congress Kinzinger, right? I mean, there, there are some other Republicans that are that are taking a similar tone. What's their play, Ryan? I mean, what what do you think there is it really just to get on MSNBC and, and maybe get a nice fat book deal from one of the big publishers who are all controlled by libs? Well, look, I mean, compare compare Kinzinger and Cheney to Rice, Congressman Rice from South Carolina. They all voted for impeachment. Rice has not been out there making his entire life about Donald Trump. Um, Kinzinger, Gonzalez, who ironically I worked against his primary. I worked for his primary challenger years ago when I said he was a bad guy. But Gonzalez, Kin, uh, Kinzinger, Cheney, they're raising millions of dollars and making their name completely about Donald Trump. Newsom, Valdeo, uh, Newsom, sorry, uh, uh, um, Newport, oh, the guy from Washington State, can't remember his name, Butler, Valdeo, Catco, uh, Rice, they're not mentioning Trump anymore. They voted for his impeachment and they moved on. Um, and there's a reason why the headlines are, you know, why, why MSNBC and CNN are obsessed with uh, uh, Kinzinger and, and Cheney and aren't talking about these other congressmen is because to survive, all they have to do is just shut up. And they'd have a, they'd have a, you know, a running chance maybe that voters would just simply forget or just say, OK, they had one vote and I'll get past. I mean, maybe many of them will probably lose their primary, but it, they have a chance. Cheney and Kinzinger, uh, you know, maybe that they're hoping to say, look, I could sit there and spin Trump's face and spin Trump's voters face and talk about it endlessly and survive my primary. But, you know, Kinzinger, for all the love he gets from Democrats, is probably still going to be redistricted into a Democrat seat. And uh, Cheney, there's a good chance she won't survive her primary. We're speaking to Ryan Gerdusky, author of They're Not Listening, How the Elites Created the National Populist Revolution. You know, Ryan, I, I saw some data getting uh, shared around uh, social media today from some uh, politicos about how the, the real change in the trajectory of different voting groups in, in recent elections, essentially the, the biggest upside win that Biden had in 2020 was with non-college educated uh, white males, you know, in comparison to the trend in the two elections before that. Can, can you... Can you break down some of that? Because I think people have this belief that, oh, Biden won because of the minority vote. From what I saw, it's actually, I mean, yes, he got a huge portion of the minority vote. But the, the game changer 
was three or four percentage points of the white working class vote. Right. That, that's ironically, that's my new op ed. He OK, so I'll make it um, I'll clarify it even more. Uh, about 60 percent of Biden's vote came from white voters with half being college educated, half being non-college educated. About 24 million Biden voters were non-college educated white men. And the, the only area that he received a bump from Hillary Clinton was among non-college educated and college educated whites. Those are the two areas. He lost support from where Hillary was in 2016 among minorities. However, he did still win 90 percent of the black vote. He still did win six, uh, 61, 67 percent of the Hispanic vote. Or, no, sorry, 61 percent of the Hispanic vote. Um, and I think Trump won 39 percent. And something to that effect. Um and he still won uh, 70 some 77 percent of the asian vote so he won in great part because he received a bump from the from the white vote while trump gained with minorities however the real reason he won was because of the minority vote i mean he had he not won these overwhelming majorities two-third majorities in the case of asians and blacks and um and over 60 percent of the hispanic vote he would not have won. Um, right, but, but that was uh, the, the, the point that the data set that I saw was making was that that was within, you know, you expect to win over 90 percent of the African-American vote as a Democrat. You expect to win over 60 percent of the. But the the change was in the white surge, voters. The surge was the surge. Listen, there are for everyone who says the Republicans have hit their cap with work, white, white working uh, class voters and that they can't go any higher. There are 61 million or 62 million white working class voters either voted for Biden or didn't vote at all in the 20 um, in the 2020 election. Had two percent of those who have gone for Trump, Trump would still be in office. It's far easier to win the White House by trying to win over one to two percent of the working white collar vote than it is to win 10 percent or 8% of the Hispanic vote. Right, the blue collar white working class vote is is a is a huge percent. I mean when you look at the percentages, uh, it's it's very substantial. We're talking to Ryan Gerdusky. They're not listening how the elites created the national populist revolution is his book. Do you think that uh, GOP unity is going to increase now that we've had this ouster of Cheney? Is this just getting as much attention as it is because Democrats love to watch Republicans fight? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you've had Kristen Cinema, you've had um, Mark Kelly, you had uh, uh, Keeler, uh, Congressman Keeler from Texas, all attack Biden in the last two weeks over his border crisis. You're probably going to have them sit there and talk about the gas leaks pretty soon. I mean, we have uh, we have a crisis in Israel that I'm sure if Biden takes the side of Israel, which I imagine to do, AOC may lash out at him. I mean, you have warring tribes in the Democratic Party all the time, but it's simply because the media sits there and imagines that they're all, you know, skipping and, uh, uh, you know, skipping and hanging out together, that they don't highlight these growing tensions among the Democratic Party. Um, on, on the Republican side, I think that, you know, it's definitely a party in transition and it's trying to find its, you know, voice. And you do have these, you know, handful of Republicans who like to criticize Everyone who does not, you know, bow down to conventional George W. Bush Republican politics. But that side is getting smaller and smaller and smaller, and they don't really have a giant voting base. So I, I think there's I think it's interesting to note uh, in the Democratic Party, which has a figurehead like Biden, who, uh, you know, is trying to preside over very different warring factions of the Democratic Party uh, that make up voters and and people like Cheney and Kinsinger, who are 
know, very loud mouths that kind of are trying to show division in a fairly unified party. Ninety what? Ninety one percent voted for Trump in twenty twenty. Um, you know, and even even in twenty sixteen, I think it was like eighty seven percent voted for Trump. This is not these are not like very you know these are not huge segments of the GOP wanting to move back and forth. And I, I don't know if you saw this. There was a letter that a hundred former Republicans signed saying they were going to start their own third party. They all voted for Biden. I mean, they all voted for Biden. So there's been a third party now taking votes away from Biden in case case swing states have at it. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. People who vote for Biden, also known as Democrats, our friend yeah. Ryan Gerdusky, everybody check out his book. They're not listening. How the elites created the national populist revolution. Ryan, I always appreciate your political insights, my friend. Talk to you soon. Thank you.